Uh, that was an, a bunch of nonsense. But welcome to what it's like when I talk about FNAF in front of my family members. Um, <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, and those with the good sense to do away with the whole notion, I welcome you to the premier audio medium for all your Fazbear entertainment needs. The Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast. Note, FFPP is not responsible for any loss of appetite, disinterest, dismemberment, or other legally classified statuses. So strap in and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast. I'm your host with the toast, Rytos, here to talk about Five Nights at Freddy's, as we most of the time do. Um... I, I flew a little too close to the sun with how much poppy coverage I did. I went a little too deep. We need to pull it back. We're going to be doing some more FNAF on the channel. And we're going to be talking about making a Five Nights at Freddy's timeline. Because I am in the process of making one. It's going to be a bit. Um, there's a lot of stuff I still have to figure out and we'll talk about that. But um, I want to talk about like the process of it and what I'm considering and things like that. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to do some housekeeping. So as some of you may have noticed, the past two main channel videos on this channel went out on Saturday and last week's podcast went out on Tuesday and I put out a short. What's all this about? Um, me and my wife, uh, were trying to like better prioritize and schedule out my work because it's kind of been like, okay, let's take care of the kids. Let's do what we have to. And then when we have free time, go work. And that wasn't working. <laughs> uh, videos kept coming out late. I haven't made a short since December. It just, it wasn't feasible. So we kind of restructured how we're doing things. And we thought the best way to do this was um, putting out a video on Saturday and a podcast on Tuesday and a short on Thursday. So that way there's a video going out pretty much every other day, right? Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And then for those folks who can't get enough of the content, there's still content happening every single day because with the second channel, Monday and Wednesday will be streams, which already have been a thing for the past few weeks. And Friday will be a stream on the main channel. And then I also stream on Twitch. So it's easy if you don't want to have to watch two different YouTube channels to watch the streams. You can also watch the streams on Twitch. They're multi-streamed. This happens at the same time. So because of that, Monday stream, Tuesday podcast, Wednesday stream, Thursday short, Friday stream, Saturday video. Bada boom, bada bing, that's your week. Now, we are also putting out videos on the second channel uh, about Pokemon. Uh, the first one of those went up last week, and I'm really proud of it. Queen Coda knocked it out of the park with the edit. I don't edit the second channel videos because I can barely keep up with this channel. Um, but they are moving forward. The Pokemon uh, videos are going to be edited by uh, Queen Coda. Uh, last week's video was Pal World versus Pokemon. Uh, it's a video I'm really proud of. It's doing incredibly well. So thank you all so much for the support on that. Um, I was thinking about it and like I could release the videos on Sundays. So that way a piece of content goes up every single day. But Sunday isn't, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Friday is a better day to release a video. But now that I've said it out loud, why not do a video on Sunday and then have a video go up every single day. Maybe I'll do the video on Friday and we'll release like a short on the second channel on Sunday. Maybe that's the move. That might that might be the move. I don't know. I'll talk to Coda about it. Regardless, um, there's content going up pretty much every single day. Ex maybe except for Sundays, you know, the Lord's Day. <laughs> and I, I'm not religious. I don't know why I said that. Um, well, I'm not Christian. Um, but yeah, and if you've also noticed, I've been doing 
the live streams before videos on Saturdays. Uh, the videos go up at 1 p.m. And I've been trying to stream at 1230 and talk for like a half hour, hang out, and then redirect it into a premiere of that video and premiere every video. Um, I'm mainly doing that out of the advice of somebody from YouTube. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, YouTube uh, in early January reached out to everybody who was a partner and was like, hey, we have a lot of people at YouTube who know how the algorithm works. They can give you advice if you would like. And I was like, fuck yeah. So <laughs> we had our meeting two weeks ago. And one of the things he really suggested was do a live stream half hour to an hour and redirect that live stream into a premiere of a new video to help promote the video in the algorithm. Um and I was like, that sounds like a fun idea. How can I make that like fun and like engaging for everybody? And that's when the mini talkback stream was created. Um, the pre-show, if you will. So we're going to pre before every video now. <laughs> uh, for like a month, we're going to try that. If it's not significantly increasing the traction to videos, then I probably won't keep doing it. Um, just because... As much as I like doing those talkback streams, if uh, not having to be live on Saturday would be great. Um, and if they're uh, basically like, I'm not going to do those and the monthly th uh, Theory Jesus thesis streams. Uh, doing both of those seems redundant. If they aren't working... And then we'll stop the Saturday streams and I'll go back to end of the month. Every Friday, we'll do the like three hour community stream. If they are promoting the videos, we'll just do that instead because it's about the same time per month anyway. Um, so that's that's my plan kind of moving forward. I don't know. I'm in a weird p a spot where like there isn't a lot of advice for where I'm at in my YouTube career. Right. There's a lot of channels dedicated to getting your first like thousand and then first 10,000 subs. Once you get past like 100K, there's really no dedicated channels to be like, hey, here's how to keep growing. You know, <laughs> it's like it's assumed that at that point you've kind of figured it out and I have not figured it out. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, Ludwig's been putting out some really good content creator advice and I've been trying to listen to that as well. Um but yeah, I, not to like advertise for the channel and like, oh, here's all when I, you, my content is and you can give me money. I, it's more like I just wanted to let you guys know what the schedule is moving forward. And we'll try that out for like a month or so and see if it's feasible and see if it helps promote the channel. Um, because if I can get the channel and the algorithm more and get money, I can use that money to make more stuff and feed my family. It's great. I love that. Um but yeah, so that was the housekeeping. Anyway, for the reason, like, 90% of you are here, Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, why would I... I'm going to leave this in. Usually I cut out, like, when I go to grab snacks and stuff. I almost put gum in my mouth. Wah. I need coffee. Imagine if I just put gum in my mouth. I'm like, so, so Freddy's, right? I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, making a timeline is an interesting thing. And it's one of the, like the big things that a lot of FNAF theorists kind of build to, right? Because the whole point of doing theories on Five Nights at Freddy's is explaining moments. And if you make a timeline, you have to explain every moment. So it's kind of like a culmination. That being said, it's not this, a culmination in the sense of finality. Because Five Nights at Freddy's is such like a non-Euclidean liquid of a game and franchise... 
you could make like three timelines in a row and have them be completely different and they're all completely valid. So I feel like one of the things to keep in mind when making a timeline, the two things that you should really keep in mind when making a FNAF timeline is use evidence when you can as much as you can. And caveat to that, use assumptions when you can't that are built off of the evidence you have. And then the other thing to really keep in mind is like, make sure you are consistent with yourself above everything, right? So you can have a timeline that goes against other popular theories. That's fine. As long as your timeline doesn't go against the own theories that it uses, you have to keep that in mind. Um, but when talking, that's, I feel like that's self-explanatory. The first bit is really the interesting part where there's a lot, there's not a lot of evidence in Five Nights at Freddy's. There's a lot of ambiguity to it. Um, as far as like direct evidence goes, there's really barely anything. So a lot of theories and timelines are assumptions built upon other assumptions. So I think the best way personally to make a timeline in Five Nights at Freddy's is start with as much evidence as you can gather. Research is the first and biggest step. Make Find as much direct evidence with zero speculation as you can find. And then organize that about where you think it goes. Then start doing implications. Light speculation. Things like, perfect example, sister location, right? Direct evidence... Mike goes in M Michael Afton because Mike, the son of William, Michael Afton goes into the sister location bunker, gets scooped out by circus baby and the fun times and entered the amalgamation of them. Where is Mike's skin leaves escapes into the sewers and Mike gets back up some other direct evidence. We have the daughter of William Afton, Elizabeth goes into Circus Baby. Is Elizabeth is Elizabeth's name even in Sister Location? No, it's in FNAF 6. I'll stop you right there, Elizabeth, if you remember that name. So we learn... So even... You see what I mean? There's so little direct evidence. We don't even get Elizabeth's name in FNAF Sister Location. But take that, right? That's your base evidence. Michael Afton is killed by the Fun Times, specifically by Ennard, which is seems to be primarily piloted by Elizabeth Afton as... Seems to be. Take it out. Take it out. Implication. Base, base, direct, proven evidence. Michael Afton goes to the sister location bunker where his father told him because of the cutscene, right? I went down there. I did what you told me. I put her back together. Ennard creates itself, kills Michael Afton, wears his body, leaves. Layer one. Layer two, light implications and speculation. Where, like I said, this is where the, what I said earlier would go. Ennard, who seems to be primarily piloted by Elizabeth Afton during sister location. Layer one. Um, the fact that Michael seems to be able to live because of the trace amounts of remnant that is on the scooper used to kill him. Light speculation. We still have no idea where to put this, right? Then you get to layer three, which is a bit heavier speculation built off of those first two layers. And we know, right, FNAF 1 and 2, the, guys, the guy in FNAF 1 and 2 is fired for foul odor. So you can 
use the assumption that after sister location, when Michael is like a weird rotted corpse of a person, he stinks now. So likely FNAF one and two take place after sister location, possibly, you know what I mean? So like, that's, that's how you should think to build out these timelines. Start with your primary evidence, then go on to light speculation and then you can make speculations and leaps based off of layer one and two, right? That, that I think is the way to make a very cohesive timeline. Now, here's the problem I have. I feel like I made a pretty damn good timeline with the games only timeline I did a year ago. Um, but that only goes up into Ultimate Custom Night um, for good reason, because uh, th- we barely know anything from the games in between Custom Night and Help Wanted. So I f- figured let's stop it at Ultimate Custom Night. So in this timeline I've been working on, a good chunk of that timeline is going to stay the same. Like I, I would say like 60 to 70% of it is probably going to stay the same. Now I do have to make some minor tweaks. Um, I mean, for one, there's a lot of information from the books that is important to that part of the timeline that I completely neglected. But two, there's just some things that I've changed my mind on and some things that like, for example, um, Cassie's dad, who I think was the Bonnie bully. And I also think was Jeremy Fitzgerald from FNAF two, right? I think he's been involved in a lot of this. I didn't mention him at all because I didn't know about him when I made the timeline. He didn't exist yet in our consciousness. So a lot of things like that are going to be tweaked. The big problem, in my opinion, right now, making a Five Nights at Freddy's timeline is going from Ultimate Custom Night to Ruin. That chunk, the second half of the Five Nights at Freddy's timeline, essentially, that is so loose and speculative still. Um, well, caveat to that, Help Wanted to Ruin is pretty straightforward, I want to say. Like, we can see the seeds of Security Breach in Help Wanted. We can see the seeds of Help Wanted 2 and Ruin in Security Breach. And we can see the connective tissue between Ruin and Help Wanted 2. Like, Help Wanted to Ruin and Help Wanted 2, that's a pretty cohesive, like, 3.5 game timeline that is a good chunk but the context the explanations and how it connects to ultimate custom night and fnaf 6 that's the big question getting from fnaf 6 to help wanted is the big leap that a lot of uh speculators and timelines have to contend with and i'm really interested to see where this goes i know fnaf has been teasing uh, that his timeline is going to happen eventually. I can't wait to see what his answer for that is. Um, I don't, I know Hyperdroid is making the like ultimate guide to f- everything Five Nights at Freddy's ever. I assume there's going to be like a kind of a timeline in there. I don't know. I assume, I don't know. Um, and even so, it seems like it's trying to, uh, that video is trying to be uh, zero bias, completely direct information. So any timeline in there will probably be very light on details between FNAF 6 and Help Wanted. Uh, but that that's the big jump that a lot of people have to contend with with this timeline. As far as where I land, I'm really not sure. I think I really like FNAF's explanation for getting from FNAF 6 and Ultimate Custom Night to Help Wanted. Um, that being the a, a green chip was what was scanned in from sister location into help wanted. 
um, mainly because of the evidence we found in Help Wanted 2. I was always kind of on the fence about it before Help Wanted 2, but Help Wanted 2 showing us the exact same green chip in Helpy's brain. And in that room, a picture of Helpy running away from a burning building. Like, those two pieces are really strong evidence to point to that green chip being the thing that creates glitch trap and help wanted. That's a really solid theory. And that might be the connective tissue I lean on for my timeline. Um, the question then is what the fuck is that green chip, right? Is it the mimic one program? Is any of Williams remnant or agony involved? I'm not sure. That's a really interesting thing because like, Glitchtrap as a creature makes sense to just be the Mimic One program. Like, it's basically something that learns and learns everything it sees within a game filled with the worst that Fazbear has ever done. So, like, it makes sense. The problem, though, is that the Mimic One program in Help Wanted and especially in Security Breach knows a lot about William Afton and his family life, which isn't in Help Wanted. So where the fuck did he learn that? So, like, that, my only reason for thinking that William's Remnant or Agony is still around is because Glitchtrap and presumably, like, uh, presumably Glitchtrap, by the time of Security Breach, is trying to recreate the Afton family, right? Because we have the table where the people are, where the, we have the table in the silo where there are people sitting there. We have the idea that I don't think Gregory and Vanessa are robotic recreations of Elizabeth and the crying child, but I think to a learning program trying to recreate the Afton family, it's all blonde girl, small brunette boy, my children. You know what I mean? And to that point, I don't think Glamrock Freddy is haunted by Michael Afton. I don't think that's true. However, I do think that if the Mimic One program was desperate enough, it could try to make Glamrock Freddy fit into that Michael Afton role of the Afton family. I think that makes sense. Um, so the idea that... if I don't know if the mic is picking this up, but my wife is feeding our nine-and-a-half-month-old right now upstairs, and you might be getting treated to what we call squeaky toy. Our baby, love him, cutest little baby in the world. And I'm allowed to say he's the cutest baby because our other son is a toddler. He's not a baby anymore. He's the cutest toddler. Um, but our cutest little baby in the world, he doesn't cry. He just screeches like like a tea kettle. Like he doesn't like, wah, wah. It just, <laughs> like that's it. Just the highest pitch, highest frequency E you have ever heard. And it gets in your ears, man. I can hear it from down here. I don't know if the mic's picking it up. If it is, then that's your explanation. If it's not, I sound like a crazy person. Um, but he is a little tea kettle. Um, you know, we never really sang I'm a little teapot to him. We really should. I, I got so sidetracked. Um, but I think the timeline chunk from help wanted to help wanted Two being the mimic one program trying to recreate the Afton family makes a lot of sense. I think that is a very solid thing. And then Vanny's goal and GGY's goal before security breach is if we can put glitch trap into a physical body, that's really close to spring trap. We can bring back William Afton. That's, that's our goal is to make a physical glitch trap. And burn trap was the first attempt of that. 
possibly with the remains of William Afton attached to it to hopefully bring over that agony. Note the pitch black eyes that Burntrap had, you know. Oh, William Afton's agony with the Mimic One program. Bada bing, bada boom. We have William Afton again. Because that's also something we saw in the Silver Eyes. Not with William Afton, but I would argue with Charlie, where it was like, okay, Henry was like, I can remake, I can bring Charlie back to life if I just make a really damn good robot and put it with the program of Charlie. And I think that's what they're trying to do with William. It's make a really damn good robot and put the program of William Afton in there. Um, but then where does the mimic come into all this? Cause I do think the mimic one program is glitch trap, but I don't, I'm not sure if burn trap is the mimic endoskeleton we see in ruin. And that's another holdup of mine. I think right now what I've been thinking, and I went into this in a recent video, we have that evidence of Gregory's backpack outside the room where the mimic was trapped. So it seemed like Gregory was involved in trapping the mimic in that room. However, we never see Gregory have that backpack in Security Breach. So it's a question of does he do it after or before? And if he did it before, he would have done it as GGY, which I think does make sense. So what I'm currently thinking, and this is definitely going to change a lot, my current thought on it, on the timeline of Security Breach, is that Vanny and GGY, which is the glitch-trap-controlled versions of Vanessa and Gregory, Vanny and GGY get to the Pizzaplex basement via Glitchtrap's orders. And the two of them are getting the stuff ready. They find William's corpse. They put this fused robotic endoskeleton fleshy thing into a charge pod, put him there. Let's start trying to rebuild this guy. And then one day they find the mimic in the basement, either through a vent or hearing it. And Glitchtrap, knowing what the Mimic is, since it was since it's the Mimic One program, and even possibly knows what the Mimic is capable of, I could see the Mimic One program or Glitchtrap in its current form being like, "Hey, that is a physical body with a separate version of my program inside of it. It could be of amazing use to us. It is also incredibly violent, incredibly smart, and basically able to trick anybody ever. So." Until we're ready to use that, lock that shit up now. And then GGY and Vanny do the trick where Gregory goes into the room, Mimic chases it, Vanny closes the doors, Gregory goes through the vent, cement the vent and the door, keep it in that room. That being said, why is the Mimic in the FNAF 6 basement? You know, that's a huge, I can't make a timeline without explaining where the Mimic comes from and why he's in the FNAF 6 basement. That's a huge part of the timeline that's just out there. And you can't even lean on the books for that. I'm sorry, the books don't tell us why he's there. Because in the books, we do get the explanation of the book Tales from the Pizzaplex mimic arriving at the Pizzaplex. But that version of the mimic is the one that is very burnt, except for the shiny new chrome head, right? And that feels like a very important character we have not learned enough about yet. And it's also nothing like the mimic we see in the in the game. Right. <laughs> like the mimic we see in the game does use those same tactics where like the mimic in the books pretends to be a kid to lure one of them to a closet. And that's literally what the mimic does in ruin. It's pretending to be Gregory to lure Cassie to let it out. If if that is the same guy, why isn't he burnt? Why is the head different? There's so many weird specific inconsistencies, which makes me hesitate to think that that is the mimic we see in the books. 
That being said, if it is a mimic from the books, it would have to be the mimic from the story, the mimic, because that does make more sense. And it's not one to one, but it's a lot closer of a description than the one we see in Tales in the Pizzaplex in the epilogues. Um, so I don't know. There's so many loose ends. The mimic is the big question mark of how do you explain where it comes from in the games? And I really don't know. Um, part of me also wants to wait to put it's, it's a matter of like, how long do I wait to put this timeline out? Cause every time a new game comes out, it's going to fuck up the timeline. Like into the pit comes out probably this year since it's supposed to be a 10th anniversary game. And if it comes out this year and my timeline comes out two months before it and Into the Pit comes out and it's like, hey, here's direct information on the missing child incident we never had before. And it goes against the timeline. Well, fuck, there goes my timeline. You know what I mean? I really don't know. I really don't know. That's the thing about doing a FNAF timeline. Oh, my back. I hope the mic didn't pick that up. That's the thing about doing a FNAF timeline. It's so fluid of a game that any new game coming out could prove wrong like half your timeline. And I think that is part of the fun of it, right? If I was able to perfectly solve a timeline and then like six games come out and it's still true, what the hell is my job for? You know, like what is this channel for if it's easy to figure out? Um, I, I think I might not wait for Into the Pit and it might be more of a time capsule thing, right? Like if Into the Pit comes out and another game comes out and like my whole timeline's wrong, I still think at the time of publishing, it was our best guess. You know what I mean? It's like a, a a time capsule of what our best idea of the timeline of FNAF was before these games came out. Which is what I might do. Because um, I don't want to wait too long. Because it's been, I haven't made... Realistically, I haven't made a timeline, like a fully-fledged Five Nights at Freddy's timeline since the first video that people watched on this channel. Uh, and that's been over... Has it been over two years? It's been close to two years, if not. When did Security Breach come out? 22? Or December... I think December 2021. So it's been over two years. A little over two years. Um, It's time. You know? <laughs> it's time. And that also, that timeline didn't have security breach in it, let alone um, ruin and help on it too, you know? So, and security breach ruin and help on two change a lot about the timeline. So I think, I think it is well past due for a Raito's timeline to come out and it'll be one that uses the books, the Scott games, website teasers, the goddamn spinoff games, the cookbook, everything at our disposal. I'm not going to limit myself at all. Um, and I'll probably do because I have to do weekly videos. I can't just take two months off and then put out a video. I'll bomb the channel and make no money and not eat. So I think what I'll do is similar to the games only timeline. I'll probably do like three or four videos of making a timeline. And here's a video for these four games. Here's a video for these four games. And then make one like 45, 60 minute video. Here is the five nights at Freddy's timeline. According to me. I think that's probably what will happen maybe in the summer. I'm not sure when it'll happen at some point. Um, but I think that is close to a half hour. I think we're good to switch, switch over to swatch, switch, swap, blah, 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 blah. change over 
to some questions. Uh, I've got some questions from the email and the Spotify. If you want to uh, submit questions on Spotify, it should be right there on your uh, app. If you want to submit questions via email, you can send them to Podcast at gmail.com. That full email is in the description, so you can copy and paste it because it is a pain to type. But anyway, our first question comes from Sunday. They, them. Thank you for your question. I was wondering if you would ever do theories for games outside of the indie horror realm. You mentioned being a Genshin player before, and I think it'd be so cool for you and other theorists to get into the lore of Genshin. Thank you for your question, Sunday. I do. I think in the long term. I don't think I can make this channel be a, fi- a weekly Five Nights at Freddy's theory channel for the next five years. I don't think that's feasible. I don't think there's enough... Five Nights at Freddy's theories to be made without just saying the same shit once a year. So I do need to transition this channel to be more broad than just Five Nights at Freddy's theories. So does that mean I want this channel to be the next game theory? No. Um, I, I think the healthiest version of this channel for my mental health is lore and theory and game design of video games. So not not just like math. I would never do like math on this channel. I'm an English major. I'm not doing math. Um, But things like character analysis and speculation for future games, explanations of lore, things like that. I think that's where I want this channel to end up. Um, But that's going to be a long and winding road. You know, if I just tomorrow start doing that, this channel will crash and burn just that's how the algorithm works maybe it'll pick back up in like six months but by then i'm going to be starving so it's going to be slow and it's going to take time that being said i'm never not going to do five nights of freddy's content on this channel i think that would be a betrayal to you guys right i i i respect i understand and i respect the want of what you've signed up for you know, and that's partially why I made the second channel where I can do fully in-depth Pokemon videos. I would never put that on this channel because why the fuck would you watch a Pokemon video if you've subscribed to a Five Nights at Freddy's channel? That's on a separate channel. Subscribe to that one. It's great. It's in this. Uh, I'll put a card right here if I remember. I'm not going to remember. Um, But that's why I made that channel, you know, so I can separate it from this so you can focus on this. Um, But I, I hope that in the coming year or two, I can sell people on the way I present things more than what I'm presenting. And if I can really kind of show that, I think it'll be easier to do other topics. And hopefully that's where we end up. Um, That being said, since you mentioned Genshin, a really quick, quick thing. I am only, I just finished Inazuma in Genshin Impact. Um, So I'm not caught up on all of the lore we know. Here's my guess as to who our players are. Really quick, like, two-minute theory. Um, I think the players, the Lumine and... What is the male? I I play as Lumine, so I know her. I don't remember the male's character. The the brother and sister that that you can play as. (laughs) I think they were artificially created archons from Kenria. I think it was Kenria's attempt to have their own archon. 
And when they were found out, Celestia punished them, essentially, trying to erase them from existence. One of our siblings gets thrown right back to Kenria, and that's why we find them throughout the game. Or what's left of Kenria, you know what I mean? The other one, the one you play as, is rescued by a barely alive goddess of time, Paimon. And Paimon takes us way back before any of that fighting goes down to hopefully help her and help us. That's where I'm at. And I think that's the reason why we can attune to any element without a vision is because we are artificially created by Kenria, this like scientific academic group of people. Um, that's my thinking. Is that true? I don't know. I'm not even caught up on the lore. There could be something that I don't know about that proves that entirely wrong. I don't know. And to the non-Genshin Impact players out there, uh, that was an, a bunch of nonsense. But welcome to what it's like when I talk about FNAF in front of my family members. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Sunday, thank you for your question. Um, our next question comes from Mac. He, him. In the game theory timeline, it's theorized that Cassidy is the one you should not have killed because she was killed more brutally than the others. Could it be possible that the reason it was them is because the spring locks in Golden Freddy's suit went off with her inside? Thank you for your question, Mac. I think that's a good theory. I, I, I don't necessarily believe that Cassidy is the one you should not have killed because that one was the most brutal. It's like a decent, it's one of those things I had talked about earlier where it's a layer three of your timeline where we don't have any evidence why Cassidy is the one you should not have killed. So get layer one, there is someone named the one you should not have killed. Layer two, someone in the books acts like a vengeful spirit whose name is Cassidy. Linked, layer one and two. Layer three, maybe they're the one you should not have killed because they were killed brutally. You know what I mean? If that's true, um, I think ne not necessarily brutally. I have a feeling that the games have been teasing somebody was drowned. So we have the book, Entails in the Peace Box, Drowning, where that, like, girl who is referred to as a princess kind of not really but she, rescue the princess is a game that the character played and then it's used so it's like loosely referenced as a princess but there's a girl who is in this vr experience of a water park who seems to have drowned and is trying to drown the other girl who enters this vr experience uh it's one of the one of my favorite stories from tales of the vietsplex really really creepy um but it's like it, it so we have that where it's like a it there's I God it's been so long since I've even read it but there's like a, a a lot of there was some teasers kind of linking this spirit to something that Glitch Trap did or changed or something the Mimic One program did or changed so we have that we have in FNAF World the themes of drowning yourself in the lake to get certain endings. And in Ultimate Custom Night, you can drown yourself in the lake to get that one special... Like, there, there's a lot of drowning motifs, especially in games around, presumably, the Vengeful Spirit, right? Ultimate Custom Night. FNAF World, to an extent, uh, because FNAF World and Ultimate Custom Night are so linked. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to wonder if whoever the one you should not have killed is, they were killed via drowning. And maybe that explains why they are so vengeful. The problem with that is how the hell did they possess an animatronic if their body is at the bottom of a lake? 
I don't know. Maybe that's why they never move on, because their body's at the bottom of a lake. I don't know. It's one of those things where we just have no solid evidence for. So it's just find a way to speculate there, and then if it doesn't counter contradict anything that is solidly evidence-backed, sure. You know? <laughs> like, your theory is just as valid as what I just said, because either way, there isn't a lot of evidence to directly prove against it. In fact, yours is probably more valid, because it at least puts the uh the one you should not have killed in golden freddy mine puts her out at the bottom of a lake you know <laughs> so i don't know it's it's something interesting uh but thank you for your question our next question i wanted to talk about a phenomenon that i've seen a lot specifically on tiktok and um this question brought it up so i mean i'm going to go very hard against this theory i mean no hate to you at all I totally get where you're coming from, but I just wanted to talk about this phenomenon. This one comes from Zero, they, them. Thank you for your question. I've seen a theory that the Withered's parallel what William did to each kid. Basically, the damage appearing on each Withered is meant to represent what he did to each child. To me, if this is true, that would add a whole other layer to craziness, as William, uh, to William, as this means he decapitated or ripped off the face of the Bonnie victim and tore the hands off of Susie, which is just wow. I don't know how to feel about this, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. Thank you for your question, Zero. Um, that's bullshit. And I'm going to disprove it with two words. Freddy, Foxy. What's their damage? Uh, so, more realistically, the reason I picked this question is I've seen this said a lot on TikTok. I don't know why, but... FNAF TikTok just be saying shit like <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's theories on TikTok go crazy not everyone obviously I mean hell I post there now <laughs> but like there are really good FNAF theorists on TikTok I mean Spooky Soup Boy comes to mind um but there's a trend I've seen on TikTok where someone will just say something and then it's believed at face value and this is one of those things one person made a post where they were like did you know the Withers represent, like, it's not even presented as a theory, just, did you know, here's a fact, the Withers represent the damage done to the missing child incident kids, and they'll just say shit. Here's my question. How do you know that? When is it ever said that that's a thing? Or even hinted at? It isn't. Also, let's think about this. How does how do you rip the face off of a human? And why? And again, I go back to Freddy and Foxy. What's their damage? They're just aged. Like were they just punched real hard and that's why there's like it's just it it's one I this theory isn't what I'm picking on. I'm picking on just FNAF TikTok goes crazy p like i've seen it gives the same energy there's a meme where it's a discord message where somebody went into a, a fnaf centered discord server i don't know which one i don't think it was the fred at discord server but it, someone just said like i i'm so sorry to tell you guys but scott cawthon died he's not dead he's perfectly healthy great guy he's not dead but someone just went onto discord server and said that and the first response was people going i I think it was someone literally said, like, I, dot, 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 I will spread the news. What? 
You didn't say, are you sure? Or Google it. You were told someone died in your first, by some random person on Discord. And your first response was, I will tell everyone I know. Not, um, let me just Google this really quick. So I- I've noticed that that energy is everything on TikTok. I've been so tempted to just as a social experiment, make up some batshit crazy theory post it to TikTok and see what happens. Just why not? I think it'd be funny because <laughs> it seems like you can just say something. And if you say it's a fact, people just believe it on TikTok. That's crazy. Um, I don't know. It's just a wild phenomenon I've noticed on specifically TikTok. Like if you go on Twitter and you say that shit, you get clowned on. If you go on Reddit and you say that shit, they delete your post. If you go to TikTok and say it, People are just like, oh, okay, that's a fact. I believe that 100% now, which is just insane. Um, (laughs) It's like too far in the opposite direction where like I'm always like, hey, my videos are like everyone I know on YouTube is like, hey, our videos are theories. Take them as a theory at face value and you can disagree with them. That's fine. The opposite end of that spectrum is TikTok where someone's just like, hey, here's a fact. William is actually 200 years old. And people go, man, that's crazy. Good thing I know that now writing it in my book, you know, <laughs> so I don't know um, to answer your question. Zero, there is absolutely no evidence that points to that. It's just something somebody said. And like, it's, I guess, a cool theory with no evidence. It, it's the same as the um, the FNAF 4 teasers uh, represent how the bullies reacted to the crying child dying, you know, um, was it me with your tongue all the way out or was it me staring dead at the camera or Freddie just saying four? (laughs) So it's, it's one of those things where someone noticed a cool thing that like maybe unintentionally could mean something and said it was a fact and people believe them. So no, I don't think the withers represent what William did to the missing child incident kids, because I don't think he, ripped off uh fritz's hand and put a hook on it (laughs) and made gabriel old um but thank you for your question and again no hate to you it just i got i i saw that i knew it was from tiktok and i had to talk about it even if you didn't see it from tiktok it originated from tiktok i've seen the tiktok you're talking about um our last question actually comes from spotify from nathan he him thank you for your question What do you think is the name of the crying child? I think Evan and Chris have weak evidence. Do you think the movie might confirm the name Garrett? Thank you for your question, Nathan. Um, I, so, it's funny. I don't think Evan has really any good evidence for it. I've never even heard of the Chris theory, if I'm being real with you. I had been running with Evan for like a year because it was one of those theories that if we're wrong, doesn't really change that much. But it's a hell of a lot easier to say Evan than the crying child or the bite victim. You know what I mean? It's way easier to say Evan. And then Evan Afton, just roll with it. If I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. That being said, as much, I think Garrett now technically has better evidence because of the movie. I would argue there's much better evidence for Garrett being the name of the crying child. Just just by association. Mike Afton has a little brother. Mike Schmidt, who's meant to represent Michael Afton, has a little brother named Garrett. Sure, crying child's name is Garrett. 
like it's better evidence than Evan, but it's still also very flimsy evidence. I might hesitate using Garrett only because um, Garrett is way up in the air as a character and we're not really sure like what his role is yet. So maybe after FNAF 2 or maybe a third movie when we know more about Garrett, I might switch to Garrett. I think in the meantime, I'll stick with either Evan or the crying child or maybe Cece. You know, a little nickname, Cece, my boy, Cece. Um, but yeah, it's one of those. So this is a layer four. I'll call this the layer four theory where absolutely no solid evidence for it whatsoever. Can't build it off of any assumption, but you know, it doesn't really change anything if you're wrong. So go for it. <laughs> uh, but with that, the dog came in. I can hear him right now. So I'll just end it here. Uh, that's four questions. You know, it's we're about at time. So, again, if you want your questions talked about on the podcast, you can submit them on Spotify or email them at freddyfazbearpizzapodcast.gmail.com. That full email is in the description because it is a pain to type. Just copy and paste it. Um, but until next time, thank you for watching the Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast, where the pizza abilities are endless. We hope to enjoy your future patronage. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.